the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. You're listening to the Pastor Scott Show podcast. Have any questions or comments? Email Pastor Scott now at PastorScott at KKLA.com or tune in live weekdays from 3 to 5 p.m. And now, here's Pastor Scott. Good afternoon, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to the Pastor Scott Show. Great to be with you today. This is hour two. We're on each and every day from three to five. We talk about issues of the day from a Christian perspective. You can join our conversation by calling 888 that is Mr. T. I'm going to get some mileage out of that today. He is, uh, he was on the news who's, he's making sandbags for him and his neighbors because of all the crazy flooding out there. I hope that you're being safe and I hope that you are prepared. It's a lot of rain, a ton of rain. So I think a lot of you stayed home today because we were talking before the traffic is good. Anyway, it's good to be with you and uh, just be very careful. You don't need to go out. If you don't need to go out, don't go out uh, today, maybe tomorrow while the rain is that bad. Just sit back and uh, enjoy the Pastor Scott Show like you do. 888-528-2557. I don't usually watch award shows anymore. I used to. I used to uh, watch award shows and I kind of get into it and have a little party. Maybe it's something to do when you're young and you're single and you're, I don't know, you got time for that. Uh, Maybe you outgrow it a little bit. I don't, and maybe it's just me. Might be just me. I don't really watch, so I didn't really watch much, but I kind of get some of the gist of what happens or if something happens that's Interesting. Yesterday, I saw a clip of the Grammys, which I didn't turn it. Didn't, I didn't even know the Grammys were on, to be honest with you. And I thought it was great. Do you know what I'm talking about? I am talking about a duet that happened between Tracy Chapman, who wrote the song "Fast Car," which came out in 1988, and a, you probably know the song, and Luke Combs, who's a current country singer who has a cover on it that's a number one hit, and they sang it as a duet. Here's a piece of it. I got a job that pays all our bills. Stay out drinking late at the bar. Support your friends and you do your kids. I'd always hope for better. But maybe together you and me find it. I got no plans. I ain't going nowhere. Take your best car and keep on driving. Pause it for a second, and then you'll hear him sing. But both of them are on stage, and if you're watching at KKLA.com, you can see it on there. Uh, You know what? It was, and I'll talk about that song in in a minute. The reason that song is so popular and why it is 
I think strikes a chord with so many people. You know, most songs, they don't make it very long. They've, you hear them for a couple of years and they're gone forever. Um, some songs really strike a chord with people and they stick around. And uh, there's a reason for that. There's something missing from the song. And I'll, I'll tell you what that is. But uh, uh, otherwise, uh, here is Luke Combs uh, singing his part. You got a fast car. Fast enough so you can fly away We gotta make a decision Leave tonight or live and die this way You know what was good about it? It was well done. They were not lip-syncing it. And apparently uh, Tracy Chapman has not been on camera doing her act for 15 or 20 years. I've heard different versions of 15 or 20 years. These days nobody knows how to count, but probably in that time frame. And uh, she did great. He did great. And there's a lot of reason, I think, that this is worth thinking about. I don't know if you know that song or if you really get into lyrics. I like to get into lyrics of songs, right? I want to know why is this song popular. If, if you get into lyrics of a lot of pop music today, it's horrifying. Like, it will make you take your kids' radios and iPods away. It's horrific. You probably should read some stuff. Some stuff's just pornographic, right? It's just terrible. I couldn't read certain the, – the top songs from some of the last few years, I couldn't actually read them. I don't even think I can say what the title is of a couple of them. Am I right? You know, Jose and Wilbert? Like, we can't say it on the radio. So some things are terrible. You know, and one of the reasons not to watch the Grammys is there's so much celebration of – awful stuff that's harming people in the arts is taken away music. But once in a while, there's songs that are grown up that deal with real issues that people really connect with. And I think that's, these are the songs that make it right. They don't just uh, have a rhythm or something everybody likes, but these are the songs that last forever or a long time. I don't want to say forever, obviously not forever, but for a long time. Well, this one is a song about the cycle of poverty that so many people can relate to. And it's understandable why you know, it was a rock folk song when Tracy Chapman sang it in 1988. And uh, it makes all kinds of sense that it's a country song, that it would fit in that genre as well. There's a stupid controversy around it that I think was put to bed last night, too. There was a controversy because this was a big hit for her, huge hit, huge. Just There's hardly anybody, there's a few songs out there that that are this big, okay? This one was. Um, But she is a black woman who I think is uh, lesbian, queer, they say now. But I think back in the day, that's what the thing was. And uh, the argument, there was an article written in the Washington Post by Emily Yar. And after Luke Combs put this out, he's a white man who put this out in country music, saying that there's something uncomfortable and wrong about this, the white man singing uh, a black woman's song. She wrote, uh, although there are many thrilled to see Fast Car back in the spotlight and a new generation discovering Chapman's work, it's clouded by the fact that as a black queer woman, Chapman 59 would have almost zero chance of that achievement herself in country music. There's not a lot of black people in country music. Okay. Not a lot of, you know, I just I hear that and I go, well, what kind of chance does Luke Combs have of singing in an opera? Probably nothing. Right. I, you know, it's just a weird thing. Uh, and this I think my opinion is that this was driven by so much of the the race talk. And Tracy Chapman, she put out a statement. So she hasn't been in the public eye very much. But her statement about it, she wrote the song. It's all hers, by the way. It's her song. And she's making a lot of money off of this song because it's a hit again. 
She said, I never expected to find myself in the country charts, but I'm honored to be there. I'm happy for Luke and his success and grateful that new fans have found an embraced fast car. Classic statement. It's the right statement. It's professional. And she was great last night. He was great last night. If you get a chance to watch that video, especially if you like that song, it's a good thing. And they kind of put this controversy to rest where so many people were trying to say, well, a white men shouldn't sing a black woman's song. And isn't that, you know that... Whitney Houston's I Have Always Loved You, that was a Dolly Dolly Parton song. Dolly Parton wrote it, and Dolly Parton produced it and sang it in the 70s, and it was not a big hit for her. Huge hit for Whitney Houston, obviously. And, you know, it's okay. And I think it's when we see ourselves working together, you know, in this kind of thing, I think that's good. I, I thought that part of it was really good. Just that that even happened, that that controversy, I think, hopefully is put to rest. And I think it's a made up controversy by people who are trying to make up controversy to sell newspapers. Uh, the people involved are not there. And he, the Luke Combs, I guess, I read a lot about his respect for her and that song and what it means. Uh, so I think that was really good. Uh, this is the Pastor Scott Show, 888-528-2557, 888-528-2557. So what's the song about? Okay, the song is about the cycle of poverty. And I think that a lot of people can relate to it because if it's not you, it's somebody that you know in your family or somebody that you know, and you're aware of the difficulties of poverty, particularly in our country, and the many things that are behind it. So the idea is uh, it's a woman singing. She's got a friend, a guy friend probably, uh, who is got a fast car, and she just wants out. Maybe we can make a deal. Maybe together we can get somewhere. Any place is better. Starting from zero to nothing. I've got nothing to lose. You know, I've got nothing to prove. Let's get out of here. And she tells the song tells the story about how she has saved a little bit of money and is ready to just go. But what's happening in her life is she says her old man's got a problem. He lives with a bottle, and that's the way it is. And his body's too old for working. And her mom went off and left him. So she's got an alcoholic dad. Mom takes off and she quits school. The song says she quits school uh, in order to take care of him. How many of you out there, you yourself are in that situation or you know somebody who's in that situation or someone in your family is in that situa- situation? I've got that in my family. I've seen that so many times as a pastor with so many people, that kind of thing. Somebody's got an alcoholic problem or they've got some drug addiction or they're just, you know, lazy. There's other things going on. Uh, And somebody sacrifices their education or their career or something to take care of mom or dad. That happens. And in in the world of poverty, it has a effect, right? Things begin to snowball. And so she's talking about this and how hard it is. And the chorus is, you've got a fast car. Is it fast enough that we can fly away? We got to make a decision. We leave tonight or live and die this way. There's an aspiration that's positive about It doesn't have to be this way, right? The chorus is, because I remember when we were driving, we're driving in your car, speed so fast, I felt like I was drunk, not actually drunk, but whatever that is. She, the city lights, your arm wrapped around me, around my shoulder. I had a feeling that I belonged. How many of us want the feeling about being, about belonging? I think people want to belong. That's a huge thing. It's much better than fitting in, right? Fitting in is the problem. If you're trying to fit in somewhere, then somehow you're not being true to uh, your values, right? You're, you're breaking something. Belonging is you, you belong. And then the next line is, I had a feeling I could be someone, be someone, be someone. 
People want to be you know, important to somebody. That's a regular human emotion, all of those things. So as the song goes on, they eventually leave, and they go and they go into the city, her and this guy. Um, but then she sings, you still ain't got a job, but I work as, in the market as a checkout girl. I know things will get better. You'll find work, and I'll get promoted, and we'll move out of the shelter. So they're in a homeless shelter. And uh, we'll buy a bigger house and live in the suburbs. So now they've moved to the city. They're in the shelter. It's not working. But there's still hope of moving out, moving to the suburbs, having a family life. Okay. But the way it goes, it it says, I got a job that pays all of our bills. You stay out drinking late at the bar, see more of your friends than you do of your kids. And I'd always hope for better. Though maybe together you and me will find it. I got no plans. I ain't going nowhere. So take your fast car and keep driving. And what you have in the song is the cycle of poverty because she ends up in the same position that her mom is in was in in the beginning of the song. And I think it resonates because we see this happen so often in our lives. I know many people listening, you're you're right there now. Or you've been there, or you know somebody who's been there. And I'll tell you what, pastorally I have seen this so many times. Um, but the great thing about this car is that there still is an optimism or the song, there's still an optimism, uh, even though there's a struggle, there is still aspiration, you know, and what, what I want to say is, and I think it matters is that the song is not just about hard work. It's about the cycle of poverty and talks about how she gave up her education. That's why I talk about education so much because it has so much to do with dealing with poverty, real education your math and science and English and getting to know those things so well that you can be competent in the workplace. It helps. She quits school to take care of her dad. And that's, it's not a song about the education system, but she doesn't get educated. That's what happens. And also relationships matter. You know, the relationships that we have with people affect our whole life. And I know that that's a painful thing for many of you. And it's a, it's something that you are grateful about in your case, if you're in a good one. But there is a better life out there. It's not just about money or comfort. Don't lose hope. And have, you know, the idea here is to have healthy relationships. Now, the thing that's missing in this song that I would say from a Christian perspective is you don't have, your purpose is not what you're going to accomplish ultimately with wealth. Your purpose is not going to be accomplished because you got with the right person or because you got your kids or you've got a house in the suburbs or whatever the uh, American dream is, as much as it's nice to have that, because people struggle in every part of life. I think that's why this song resonates with so many people, not just people who are poor, but people who even have money, who are very lonely, you know, who are very, who are struggling in so many ways, because there's something else we need, and that's obviously Christ. This is the Pastor Scott Show, and that's where we take things with. But listen, the purpose of life and the hope that you can have in this life is not about attaining the good life, however you imagine that, in a city or family life or the suburbs. It's about freedom in Christ. When you know that you have purpose, you know, the chorus talks about, I just felt like I could be someone, be someone, be someone. You know, you are someone. If you're listening to this right now, you are someone. You are made in the image of the creator of the universe who knows your name, who knows everything there is to know about you. You are someone. And you don't have that if you don't have Christ. Like you will try to be someone, you will try to, you know, in this town be famous or to have something going on, but you you will find that to be hollow. But when you have Christ, you have something else. You have purpose and you have the freedom to excel in any environment, in any 
strata of wealth. And you have the freedom to not sin, the freedom to get through your addictions or the things that are holding you back, which very often is the sin that we all have in our lives. We all have things. You know, sin destroys everything it touches. So the part of your life, whatever it is, it's not going the way that you would like. Sometimes it's circumstances, but sometimes it's because there's something that you're not giving up to the Lord, something that the Lord tells you you shouldn't be doing, but you're doing it anyway. And I promise you that is something that's destroying your life. Everything in my life that has held me back is because of some kind of sin somewhere. Either I don't give the Lord something or I choose to do one thing over another that's the wrong choice and I know it's the wrong choice. It is something that is, when we talk about freedom in Christ, part of that freedom is the freedom to not sin and the freedom to get over your sin. That freedom comes when we acknowledge that Christ is the one that we should obey, that Christ is the one that we should follow. And when that happens, we do better in any environment that we're in because we are somebody. We are a child of the creator of the universe. We are a child of God. And that's the gospel. That's such a great thing. And that's what I would say. You know, this song resonates with so many people because we see that so often. The peace out of it is the Christ peace. 888-528-2557. This is the Pastor Scott Show. 888-528-2557. JT, welcome to the Pastor Scott Show. Pastor Scott, thank you for having me, and uh, thank you for your your depth that you, which you talk about these kinds of issues. Uh, I think you're right. Um, I was thinking about what you were saying, and uh, I'm familiar with the song, and it does it resonates with me, and I'm sure a lot of other people. It's a good song, and I think that uh, I think that one of the um, and you're right. Without Christ, there's nothing. There's, an old, there's a little saying that goes like this: N O Christ. It says K N O W Christ, K N O W peace. And O Christ, and O peace. You know, I think that's right. it's clever for them, but I think it's true. And I think that there's something else that I, that resonates with me. I was watching over the weekend some interviews with Don Murray, who just died. And for people who don't know who he was, he was a very fine actor. His first movie was Bus Stop with Marilyn Monroe, and he directed The Cross and the Switchblade. He was a believer, but he was. A, as I watched an interview with him, and uh, he was very calm, and there was a patience that is lacking in so many people these days. And I think a lot of the boomers and a lot of the Generation Xers and people, you know, that are younger tend to trash the old, older generation of people like their old fogies. And, you know, I think the hippies resident, you know, rebelled against this years ago. But I think one of the things that's missing today is that there is an isolation, there's a loneliness, and nobody will talk about it. I think in a lot of these churches, if people would have some groups where they could come and talk about their experiences of being victims of the rudeness out there, they could find other people to come and shared bond because – Back when you had the Jesus Revolution, people were still polite back then. We've trashed and taken out so many things we've printed in emptiness in modern life that I think it makes it hard for people to, to, to know how to find these relationships, especially if they were never raised up in knowing and they have nothing but bad examples. But when you see some of these old-school people that had that and you watch it, I know some younger people have said, gosh, I wish I'd have met somebody like that. Where are they now? I'm just, I'm just saying. I'm just yeah. saying that you know, I think that... Um... One thing I would say is true is that those people are still out there. They just don't get the press they used to get. That's right. But the folks that are there, like in your church, get to know people who are older than you. Now, you might be the oldest guy in your church. At some point, you might have that distinction. In fact, in my church, I had – it was a funeral we did for a guy who was – I want to say he was 96 or 97. Mm-hmm. And two other old guys got in an argument about who's the older guy in the church. It was kind of funny. They But they took that upon funny. themselves as being proud. 
But everybody else, you're older than somebody or younger than somebody, you can learn something from people who have lived through it. And I think the more mature those people are, the more they're willing to share their life. And that helps you make better decisions in that stage of your life. Uh, you know, I, you... I, go ahead, Yeah, go ahead, go ahead. No, no, I, I didn't want to interrupt you there. I think that there was that this started years ago, again, going back with the counterculture and the hippies, when they said, don't trust any, anyone over 30. I thought that was a stupid, um, you know, uh, kind of philosophy that was passed because it was like putting down people that are older like they have no wisdom. And we used to respect elderly people in the society. Now, I, I believe that a lot of the, uh, the boomers, my generation, a lot of the older people were silent over the years, and we should have spoken out. We sort of just ended up kind of just quietly accepting whatever change was happening, even, even if it wasn't good. But I think that uh, it didn't help that Hollywood, uh, you know, in, uh, for example, began to create ageism, you know, and, uh, and, our, and the media, you know, had this kind of an attitude that they promoted, because I think it promoted a real bias against people, even if they reach a certain age, that they have wisdom, and then they're not appreciated. And I think that, uh, mm-hmm. I think that one of the missing links is that that, that kind of, mature example, I think, would, would be ever have a calming effect for a lot of people, including a lot of young people. Yep. And I think, again, people should get back to, to reaching out to people, exchanging numbers. And yeah, I understand you'd be, discer- be discerning out there, but we shouldn't uh, live in fear and, 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 uh, because that doesn't solve anything. And That's so right. I think these are... So I appreciate what you're saying. Yep. You know? Thank you, JT. Thanks for calling the Pastor Scott Show. You know, if you, uh, you know, one of the great reasons to be in church, to go to church, to be there with people, is the relationships you have with people who have uh, different life experience than you age, or even just experience in life in other ways, and to listen and learn and share your stuff. You know, that's part of the gathering of people together. It makes us stronger and the mission of the gospel to a world that desperately needs it because of the cycle of poverty, the cycle of sin, the trouble that we're all in. All right, Pastor Scott Show, Monday edition. We'll be back in just a moment. Stay tuned. You're listening to the Pastor Scott Show podcast. Have any questions or comments? Email Pastor Scott now at pastorscott at kkla.com or tune in live weekdays from 3 to 5 p.m. Now, back to the show. We have created more than 14 and a half million new jobs, increased wages for tens of millions of Americans. Today, consumer confidence is up and consumer spending is an all-time high. That was Vice President Harris talking about uh, her her view of the administration's uh, accomplishments in the economy. This is the Pastor Scott Show, 888-528-2557. And, you know, one of the things that I keep hearing a lament about is if all the numbers are good, why are people so upset about the economy? And part of it is because some of what she says uh, is not true there. Uh, it's factually true in the sense that 14 million jobs plus have been uh, brought back during the Biden administration. But what they leave out is that it's just people coming back from the COVID shutdowns, most of it. They could honestly legitimately say, hey, we managed that well and a few more jobs have been added and that's good, right? They could actually make, I think, a truthful audit. The Washington Post gives the Biden administration not just four Pinocchios, but four Pinocchios pants on fire for saying that ultimate lie. It's just not true uh, because you're leaving out a significant different, you know, detail that we had the COVID that everybody, you know, the in you know, employment rate went crazy. So many people lost jobs, careers, all of that. And when you reopen, when the government shuts you down, that's what happens. And when the government reopens and it took a while longer here in California than anywhere else, then those jobs come back. You can't really take credit for that. 
Um, you could probably take credit for managing it. There's probably a positive way you could spin that, but to to just act like COVID never happened and here, look what I did. Nobody's buying it. I think that's that's part of it. And uh, how are you feeling about uh, the economy? Is it getting better for you? Uh, many of the numbers are good. There's one number that's still super bad, and it's the inflation, 3.4%. It's just not the nine that it was, right, a year and a half ago. But it impacts people in a specific way. This is uh, NBC after a poll showing how the president's polling is so bad on this level. And you hear uh, Kristen Welker the NBC person talk about this. Look how low Biden's number is compared to those predecessors at this point. Their number's all much bigger than yeah. President Biden's. It, it shows you yeah. the improvement Biden has to make here yeah. in the coming months. The issues that are driving this too, the economy, no surprise, we've been talking about it, but look at that advantage for Trump, 22 points. Wow. And securing the border here, folks, a very important Trump with a 35-point advantage. The economy is so striking, Steve, because jobs are up, inflation is down, Voters aren't giving him credit for that, clearly. Yeah, there are a couple areas in here, I think, where Democrats see potential opportunities to grow Biden's support. Certainly, they are hoping the economy folks change their perceptions of it and start rewarding Biden for it. That's what they're hoping, certainly. Now, that gets into a lot of the politics of it. But I'm amazed at how often I keep hearing, oh, inflation's down. Inflation is 3.4 percent. Prices are still going up. You know, milk went down a little bit and gas prices are down from where they were, but they're still up. And... You know, the thing that I heard somebody say that I wish I had come up with is this. Why do people feel like the economy isn't very well? I'm going to tell you what that is. It's the groceries, stupid. It's the groceries. That's why people are upset. It is so expensive to buy food of all things. Now, the gas is more expensive and lots of things are expensive. But go to the grocery store. It's like everybody has become Whole Foods. I mean, everything is a million dollars at the store. It is shocking how expensive things are. I mean, my bill at the Costco, where I I am having to cut back, you gotta be real careful, right? There are certain things that are cheaper at Costco than if you just buy them at the supermarket, but some things are not. You know, especially if you're buying like, you know, a vat of hummus or something because the sample lady got you and you're gonna throw most of it away when you get home. That's really expensive. Or those those prepaid meals they do at pre pre prepared meals at Costco, they are tasty. And convenient, very expensive. Like you could make that up yourself at home if you went to the supermarket, just bought those ingredients. Or sometimes you can buy them at Costco and just you know, have it. If you make it yourself, you save a ton of money. If you're eating healthier, you save generally a lot of money. But now you go to the grocery store because you want to save that money. And it is so expensive. That's the problem. That's the thing that amazes me about uh, kind of the whole conversation. Oh, the economy seems like it's doing well. No, inflation is still high. And it's, prices are still going up. Yes, wages are up, but wages in most cases are not up enough to cover where you were before. So you're, you're making less money. So this great jobs report came out last week, and it is good. Lots of jobs. But when you dig down into it and you find out that people have less hours, which means you're not really making more money or you're making, you know, if, if you get paid a bunch more money by the hour, but now you're working less hours, you might be taking home less money, even though you got a pay raise by the hour. See how that works? 888-528-2557. Jose, uh, what are your thoughts about this? You go grocery shopping? Do you do that? Sometimes I do. But you know the economy's bad when the number one at In-N-Out is double digits. I know. In fact, uh, you know, last night, last night, was it last night? Yeah, last night. No, I lied. It's Saturday night. Saturday night, we went to In-N-Out. 
And I noticed the one in and out I went to, I don't want to tell people where it is because I don't want them to get alerted. It was the number one, which is the double-double fries and a medium drink. I don't think they have medium anymore, right? It's, it's, no, they do. They don't have small. It was a weird thing that you can buy a medium or a large, but there is no small. Doesn't that make the medium small? What's wrong with everybody? But you get that. It was still nine ninety five. But the other in and outs I've been to, they're up over ten for the number one, right? So Jose, there's I'll tell you where that is on the on the edge, you know, later. You know, where that is to get to save a dollar on your in and out. But when I go there with my family, here was the deal. We just bought hamburgers. Like no drinks, forget that. Because the hamburger was only like five sixty five, right? Uh, the, for the double double, I think it's like six bucks in other In and Outs. So that In and Out, uh, they haven't read their email or something about the price. See the price for one hamburger? You said right now five something. That I believe a couple years ago was a price for just a number three, the whole combo. The whole combo. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, and it's shocking when we go when we go out to eat. It's just I in fact, Christy and I had to finally say we just can't. It has gotten so expensive. And now you go to the supermarket. The Costco bill, I was about to say, is, I would say, 30% more, maybe 40% more for the same food than it was before. And I paid, I'm the one who usually does the Costco thing because uh, uh, the samples, which is like my favorite thing to do. And uh, that, that was the worst part for me of the, uh, you know, what happened to Costco during the COVID is they got rid of the sample ladies. That was horrifying. It's great when they came back. 888-528-2557. Uh, Sherelle in Inglewood, welcome to the Pastor Scott Show. Hi, I'm Pastor Scott. Yeah, for me, um, I'm doing well. One of the things that has helped me is my job gave us a raise because I'm a, I work as an educator at a charter school mm. in Inglewood and one of the things that they did because we have you know the situation with covid and you know how that can affect the um, teaching um supply of teachers with the teacher shortage so we actually got a raise um coming into the school year and I think I've been working at the school for 8 years so I think every year I have gotten a raise so that has helped That's great and I think that I'm just a frugal person by nature, so I just adjust when things are a little bit more expensive. And I don't know if maybe that's one of the things that might help other people, but you have to learn how to be frugal. Yeah. You know, and you can be frugal out there. I mean, Jose and I were joking about the in and out, but if you if you have to go out, you know, order a water instead of the, the drink that might be $7 now, right, uh, or whatever. Do you feel like your raise was more than what the inflation rate has been over the last uh, three or four years. Yeah, it was, it was not as much as I was suspecting, but it was, it was more, it's not giving me an issue with that. That's good. And I believe that's just, you know, God's blessing as well. Yeah, that's yeah. really good. And I'm glad for you with that. Cause for some people it's now catching up, right? So a lot of people are getting a raise and it's, if the, your dollar is worth something like 19 cents less than it was. Now, if your raise is, if your raise is at 19 cents, you're at least even, you know, uh, 19 cents more than it was before. Uh, so I'm glad that that is working out. And I think that the more people, the more that catches up, people will probably feel good uh, about the economy. But you also have to be frugal. Uh, and, the, and, the, yes, you do. and the prices are not going down. That's, I, I keep hearing that. That's not, that never happens. You know, they go down a little bit, but they're not going back to ever to what they were before. That's it. I think uh, it depends on the store you're going to. Least, <laughs> yeah, well, the that's market the, near me is not too bad. What? What was that? 
the supermarket near the you is not too bad? Near me. Yeah. You definitely have to comparison shop. Christy uses the uh, flyers that get mailed. She goes through all of them. She sent me to a store I've never even been to the other day to get uh, bananas and apples and uh, carrots. She said they're cheaper here, so that's where I went. Hey, Sherelle, thank you for uh, calling the Pastor Scott Show. Really appreciate it. I'm so glad that, you know, if you've gotten raises, some companies have been able to do that, or in her case with the charter school, and partly a shortage of teachers. So the the other side of it is is that they might, your company, I don't know about her situation, but the company you're with might have fewer people there because of that. So tech layoffs are, are really big right now. I don't know if that's an indicator of where we're going as a country, but you know, one of the things that is really critical with this, it is to be on top of the fact that your spending matters. Do you keep track of your spending? There's a lot of uh, internet applications. Some, there was a really good free one that just they just took away. Did you have Mint? Anybody use that? Uh, I I've been using Mint for years, and then uh, because it was free and it was kind of it had some annoying features, like you couldn't really print it, and there's a bunch of stuff, but it was fine. It was free. And uh, they got rid of that, and they sent you to some other thing. It doesn't really work too well. So now I'm paying for one, but it's a couple of dollars a month, like $2 a month. Um, but it tracks everything. I find out exactly where my money goes, and that is a super good discipline for everybody, as well as it is to get those flyers from the grocery store and to look at them. Like things go on sale, just like anything else. And to pay attention to what you're spending at uh, Costco or the big boxes, because you might think you're, spent, you're saving money because you're at Costco but maybe you're not. I don't mean to pick on Costco. I mean, it could be Sam's or just some other store that you're at. That's the way it is. Hey, uh, when we come back, there was, all of this comes to one thing. There's one thing that's happening that if it were up to me, would be the number one thing, maybe the number one thing, at least talked about so much more often than we do in any political discussion or any discussion about where the country's going or what we're going to have to do to help people. There's one thing that has to get addressed and almost nobody talks about it. Like you hear about it now and then. We're hearing about it a little bit more, but for the last several years, there hasn't been a real good conversation about it. And it affects the price of your groceries. It affects the price of your furniture. It affects the price of your energy, your gas, your electricity, whatever it is. It affects all of that. We'll talk about that as soon as we get back. This is the Pastor Scott Show. You can follow me on socials at Pastor Scott Show. We'll be right back in the Monday edition. Stay tuned. You're listening to the Pastor Scott Show podcast. Have any questions or comments? Email Pastor Scott now at pastorscott at kkla.com or tune in live weekdays from 3 to 5 p.m. Now, back to the show. Another economic hangover after the pandemic is a sharp increase in the national debt. 30 years from now, it is projected to be $144 trillion or $1 million per household. Welcome back, Pastor Scott Show. $1 million per household. That's the national debt. How many of you have a million dollars? Not too many of you. Very few people. Some of you do. And that's really good. Some of you have it in your house. But in uh, just a few years, you will owe that much money because of the national debt. This is uh, Scott Pelley, who is uh, from 60 Minutes. Uh, He talks very slow. Have you noticed that? The show uh, probably was only supposed to be 30 minutes, but because of how slowly he talks, it goes on to 60 minutes. Uh, they had gir- – <laughs> I've thought about it before on this show that I'll bet I could have far f- – if I had far fewer words and I talked like this, 
I wouldn't have to prepare as much for this two-hour program. But I won't do that. And uh, I probably talk too fast. I know that. I used to have to write that. Anyway, so 60 Minutes, Scott Pelley's on there, and he's got Jerome Powell uh, from the Fed on there. And uh, this was the conversation that I think we all need to hear about the national debt. How do you assess the national debt? We mostly try very hard not to comment on fiscal policy and, and uh, you know, instruct Congress on how to do their job when it, actually they have oversight over us. But is the national debt a danger to the economy, in your view? In the long run, the U.S. is on an unsustainable fiscal path. The U.S. federal government is on an unsustainable fiscal path. And that just means that the debt is growing faster than the economy. I have the sense this worries you very much. Over the long run, of course it does. You know, we're effectively, we're borrowing from future generations. It's time for us to get back to putting a priority on fiscal sustainability. And and sooner is better than later. So he's very, very calm about this. And maybe some of it is because very political. It's a huge deal, the national debt. We're talking about inflation and the price of goods. The reason prices aren't going down and they're just going to keep going up is probably the national debt. Some of it is, you know, more and more government spending on different things or the increase in minimum wage. And I know we need to pay people more money, but when you increase everybody more money, the prices just go up. Okay, it drives all of that. All of those things are connected. What would you say the uh, deficit is? We keep hearing from the president that he's lowered the deficit. Uh, Here's the deal with that. Here's where we are. By the way, the national debt is uh, $34 trillion today, a little more than that. If you spent $46 million every single day, since the birth of Jesus, you would still not have spent the national debt. Did you catch that? I've had to, I have to do that math every time. I say this every time because I, I have to do the math to make sure that's correct. It sounds so crazy. Since the birth of Jesus, now I realize that maybe he's, you know, four years BC or whatever you want to say, but pick your date. Since the birth of Jesus Christ, since that era, the Roman Empire, the time of Caesar Augustus, If you spent $46 million every single day since then, you still will not have spent the national debt. That's an incredible figure. That's, you can't even wrap your mind around that. And some people say that that's the reason we're having such a hard time is it's such a big number now, our brains can't comprehend it, how big this, the trillions and trillions of dollars of debt is. But it's a big deal, and it's something that I think as we get to this election season, we should be demanding of all of our politicians and both parties, because both parties are responsible for it in different ways, okay? Uh, They've all been spending like crazy. So, but here's the deal. What would you say the, what would you say the, to put things into perspective, 2000, uh, let's go to 2008, okay? 2008, end of the Bush administration. It was the highest deficit we had ever had up to that point in one year highest federal budget deficit. How much would you say it was? Any guesses? So this is, you've got this happening at the end of the Bush years in 2008, right before uh, Barack Obama came into office, you have the financial crisis, the Great Recession, whatever you want to call it. It was $0.45 trillion, so $450 billion with a B. And that was the biggest we've ever had. Now, the year before that, it was only $1.6 billion. Before that, it was... Uh, 250 billion. You know, we're talking very low numbers. And 2001 was the last time we had a surplus, actually, and it was uh, negative. We had a surplus of $1.3 billion. Good for everybody. Democrats, Republicans, they all got on board with fixing the deficit. 
And 2002, $1.6 billion trillion, no, $1.6 billion with a B. Remember all the conversation about the Iraq war and how it was blowing up the deficit and this and that. Uh, the worst that was at 2004, we're in Iraq. It's point uh, four. The deficit was 410 billion. It actually went down each year until 2008, where it was back up to 450 billion. And then you have the Great Recession. Now, what happens is, is you have a great catastrophe, and in just like your life, this was true in my life when I had tremendous credit card debt. Is I was managing it okay until I started to have major car problems, until my student loans became due, and still I had other unexpected things, and then it got out of control. That's what happened in our country. So in 2009, the deficit went from $450 billion to $1.42 trillion, like a trillion dollars more in one year. That's how much it increased. And it stayed up there, $1.29 trillion in 2010, $1.3, $1.9 started to come down in 2013, down, back down to $680 billion. It got all the way down to $440 billion in 2015, and then it started 2015. Then it started to creep up, and it creeps up all the way through. And yes, it got bigger in each year from 2015 all the way up to 2019. What would you say it was in 2019? It was a little less than a trillion dollars, $980 billion. Huge deficit. Now now you have another crisis. You've got the COVID shutdowns. And in this crisis, we decided to tell everybody not to work, and we're going to send you a bunch of money from the government. Where does that money come from? It's all debt, all of it. So then you have $3.3 trillion in 2020. And then in 2021, you have $2.77 trillion. Now, the president likes to say, look, I reduced the deficit from from $3.13 trillion to $2.77 trillion. And he did. Okay, still COVID spending, though. But the very next year, 2022, $1.38 trillion. Where do you think it is in 2023? Where did we come out? $1.7 trillion. That is nearly double what it was in 2019. And there is no COVID right now. And 2024 is expected to be over $2 trillion without a crisis happening. The deficit is completely out of control. And it's everybody's fault in government. Part of the fault is we're not talking about it in serious terms. And here we have the chairman of the Fed, Jerome Powell, telling 60 Minutes that it worries him a lot in whatever level of conversation uh, he feels like he can have about that. It is a big deal, the, the debt. Did you know that the interest alone that we pay now is more than the defense budget? I hear you know all the time, oh, I got to cut defense. It would hardly do anything to cut defense when it comes to the deficit. Did you know that? Well, we need to raise taxes. Well, you can raise taxes. Uh, We would hardly make a dent on $2 trillion a year of of debt. So this is a huge deal, and it affects your kids. It affects your grandkids. It affects everything, and it probably can can be dealt with. But this is an irresponsibility of government. And as citizens, I think that we've got an obligation to do this. The Bible's very clear about debt, that, that the debtor becomes slave to the lender. And uh, you see that as a country. We're becoming slaves to it because it affects everything. By the way, this is a, you know, if you're following all the stuff with the border and, and uh, Republicans and Democrats going back and forth and some people saying, how can Republicans vote for this or how can Democrats do that? You know, underneath all of that is a certain concern that both sides have about the fact that if we don't have a lot more people come into the system and ultimately pay a lot of taxes, we're in a lot of trouble. And since we're not having babies anymore to replace people who are dying, you got to have it through immigrants. We're not going to have enough illegal immigration 
And uh, other than that and the cheap labor, labor of having an underclass, which I think is a terrible thing, part of it is that we're in a lot of trouble because of this deficit. This is something that I think when you talk to your legislatures, when you, your legislators, when you call them, and hopefully you do that, call them up. I'm concerned about the deficit. Make it an issue. Make it something that is an issue of the presidential campaign this year, of every congressional race. What are you going to do? It's not easy because the cutting that would need to happen is significant and it'll impact people's lives. It will change, you know, all kinds of different, because most of it is, you know, there's certain things that you have to spend in order to keep the government going. Most of the other stuff is entitlements. And how do you do that? You know, politically, how do you tell people you're going to cut Social Security, you're going to lower the minimum wage, you're going to, you know, cut Medicare and all that? You, you can't, right? We're, we're caught in it. See, that's how you become a slave to the lender when you're in debt. You know, if you're personally in debt, and I know some of you are, we talk about this all of the time. Uh, it is a you, – you find out personally that you are a slave to Visa or MasterCard, you know, or uh, – you know, whatever your target, whoever credit card you've got where you spend too much money at. Uh, Do your best personally to pay off your debt. It is worth the sacrifice. It is worth driving a car that's not pretty, but it's paid for. It is worth, you know, eating on the cheap and being frugal, especially in this time of inflation and other stuff. It's worth not going to the coffee shop and getting the uh, foo-foo drinks that are 7 or $8. It is worth maybe not even getting the regular coffee that I noticed has crept up to like three-something now for regular coffee. This is an important, important thing. And we have an obligation, I think, to speak up about it because it's hurting the our kids. They're going to have to deal with it. My kids, they're 14 and 11. The idea that they're going to owe a million dollars around the time they're 40 years old, 50 years old, uh, about 40 years old, that that's where the debt, national debt is going to be. We shouldn't. We should not take that. All right. This is the Pastor Scott Show. We're on every day from three to five. Uh, Chris, I see your call. I won't get to you today. We are about out of time. He's asking what would happen if we refuse to pay the national debt. Well, the the dollar would collapse, and uh, there it would be a utter utter disaster to do that. A lot of it's money we owe ourselves, right? So all the investment and there's so many problems that that would create. We gotta we gotta pay it. The answer is you gotta cut spending more than anything else. We'll talk about that another time. You can follow me on social media at uh, Pastor Scott Show, X Instagram and TikTok at Pastor Scott Show. Give me a follow right now. I'll see you tomorrow, everybody, from 3 to 5. Good night. Drive safe. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.